Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Vendo Velocity. I have a very special guest with me here today, Allison Johnson. Allison, can you please go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, Delaney. Um, I'm Allison. I'm the director of Walmart Omni Channel. Um, I've been with Vendo for about seven years now, and I manage a few accounts, help with our project management team, along with employee onboardings. So I'm really excited to talk with you today. Seven years. That's pretty much a dinosaur in the Vendo world, Allison. How do you feel about that? Ancient. Ancient. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Allison does a spectacular job um, helping to lead our Walmart team over there, both on the source side and on the dot-com side, um, and just has a wealth of knowledge. So very excited to have her on here today. Took a little bit of convincing, but after today, I'm sure she's going to be back. Um, So let's just go ahead and dive on into it. Of course, Allison is going to be telling us about all things Walmart Omnichannel today. A few things related to Walmart channel breakdowns, online pickup and delivery, which has always seemed like a black box, Luminate, which I'm sure you guys have heard about recently and has started to create some buzz in the e-commerce world. And then lastly, um, Daniel Rodriguez came on the line a few weeks ago now to talk about updated content scores, but Walmart's um, content score grading has changed a bit since then. So we're going to dive into that and just what those changes have looked like and results that we're seeing so far on the Vendo side. So Allison, let's go ahead and dive on into it. Um, Talking about Walmart's channel breakdown. So of course, over the last few years, Walmart has been expanding its digital presence pretty rapidly. Can you give us just a quick overview of the different channels um, on Walmart specifically and really which ones are more heavily utilized by consumers? Yeah, of course. So Walmart as a whole, uh, the way that they break out the channels has, like you said, it's changed a lot over the last few years. So the, there's the store, um, which everyone's very familiar with the brick and mortar store locations. And then you have your dot-com channels. Some of these are mixed in with the store inventory. So I'll start with the baseline for walmart.com. And so those are going to be items that are held within the fulfillment centers. So you look at the channel that they call ship to home, which is where Walmart's fulfillment centers, they are going to be shipping the items directly to the consumers. There's also a ship to store uh, channel, which has been sunsetted for about a year. But for those suppliers who are looking in retailing, it is still there as an option. However, there's no sales there. Walmart no longer uses that functionality. And then there's the marketplace channel as well, which is the entire 3P section, but that is all strictly e-com. None of that, none of those units will interact with the stores. Then we go over to the kind of middle muddy ground where you have its inventory that's held in the stores, but the sale originates online. And so it's considered a digital sale. However, you're using the store's inventory. So that's when we get to pick up today, and ship from store. And then we also have a very fun one, which is online pickup and delivery, which is the most complicated of all of them. So that's a broad overview, um, but I'm happy to explain any of those channels a little deeper if you'd like. Yeah, let's go into the DSV channel specifically, because I think that that was a channel that was being more heavily utilized by Walmart, even if we look at last year or especially two years ago that the merchants at Walmart really tried to push a bit more heavily. Do you think that's a matter of profitability that they've mainly strayed away from that? Or what does that boil down to? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. Profitability is always the end goal for Walmart, aside from client uh, customer happiness. Um, and so, with the DSV channel, those units are technically considered part of the owned network, meaning that Walmart does control the retails on any DSV items. They also pay for all of the shipping for those items. However, the units are housed with the supplier. And so the supplier is housing the units, they're shipping them out, Walmart is paying for the shipping on those. Um, since the marketplace channel has been a very big portion of Walmart's new initiatives, uh, many merchants are switching those over to request the suppliers to become sellers. What that entails is that or what that shift means for the suppliers is that they, when shifting to marketplace, will have to pay for all of the shipping on all of their items. Um, they control all of the content. They don't really have a merchant relationship, but they have, rather than giving margin to Walmart, it's a roughly 15% commission fee that gets sent back to Walmart for listing on the site. There are some options for suppliers who are unable to ship or who want the Walmart Plus badge on the items, and that's through Walmart Fulfillment Services, uh, coined WFS for those who are very familiar. Um, and so that enables almost like a consignment model. So the sellers can ship their units to a WFS fulfillment, fulfillment facility, and Walmart will ship those units out on behalf of the seller. However, the seller is still responsible for all of those units and they own all of the units themselves and are paying Walmart additional fees. Awesome. So in Retail Link specifically, what will you have visibility to as it pertains to those channels? Will you be able to see everything except for the marketplace or um, how does that work? Yeah, uh, Retail Link breaks out the data currently um, for walmart.com under four channels. And so those are, think of those as digitally, digitally derived sales. So you have the pickup today, the ship to store, ship from store, and ship to home. So those are the traditional four channels that you can pull in through Retail Link along with the store data. We feel very comfortable with pulling that information and that those channels have correct sales. The piece that's a little bit more challenging and is definitely directional is the online pickup and delivery. Um, and that is actually pulled through a back end kind of tender analysis <laughs> that we use um, as opposed to from a designated channel that, again, is very directional and you should not rely on the OPD data um, word for word, but it's great for directionality. And that tender analysis, is that still on the item level that you would have to view that? Yes. Got it. Okay, so for so. OPD, um, the very high level is every store item that is eligible for online pickup and delivery, where you are online shopping, you add your groceries to your cart, and you select a specific time range, like a 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. that you're going to go pick up that item. Um, any of the store item numbers that are eligible for that program, you can pull the item numbers and identify what type of tender, in this case, .com, that the consumer purchased those items. And then we correlate that back to total sales on that item to get a rough percentage on how much of the store sales used this digital derived method. Got it. So that seems very intricate there. Um, on the online pickup and delivery piece, how can a consumer, just on a consumer-facing standpoint, but also if a brand were just searching walmart.com, how would they know which products are eligible for online pickup and delivery? 
Yeah. So the difference between pickup today and online pickup and delivery, it gets a little fuzzy, like I said. Um, but when you're shopping, if you are in the top left hand side, there's a drop down that says, how do you want your items? There's three different options. And depending on what you pick, those will tell you what you can have. So there's delivery, there's shipping and there's pickup. And so if you have shipping, those are going to be the items that arrive at your doorstep. And so it'll likely come in a Walmart box or a Walmart mailer. Um, and those are more than likely shipped from the FC or from a different store. If you choose delivery, while it's also delivered to your home, um, those are going to come in the traditional Walmart sacks. And those are going to be where associates are picking the items, putting them in the Walmart bags and dropping them off at your door. The last one is pickup, and that is where you arrive at Walmart and you either pull into one of the designated spots or a parking lot or parking spot outside, and they bring those to your car. Um, so those are the only ways that you can see as a consumer how your items are getting to you. Depending on Walmart's profitability, they may or may not switch around how some of those are available. Additionally, apologies, I'm long-winded today. <laughs> no, that's great information. On the item PDP, they are releasing new sections, and these are changing almost on a weekly basis. Um, there's new sections where you can see the different delivery times um, without having to click into the item. And so you can see like two-day shipping, delivery today, um, pickup today for free, and those are based on your zip code. And so whatever you have pull pulled in there is going to directly impact the timelines associated with those items. Got it. So it's very important that you understand how each of those buckets are distinguished because ultimately your sales reports are going to look different based on the way in which the consumer is shopping. So question for you, Allison, because when I was over at Walmart, one of the most important pieces from the dot-com side was dot-com penetration to stores. Um, and that was a key piece in which you wanted your dot-com penetration to continue to increase, showing that your e-commerce presence was ultimately growing. Now, with some of these nuances around um, the dot-com sales primarily falling in the store sales, how has the emphasis on that metric changed, if at all? Are merchants still continuing to push that, or is it more or less deprioritized because of some of these nuances? It varies. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, it definitely varies by category and by merchant team. Um, in almost every line review, .com penetration does get brought up. However, I would not say that it is a weekly or even monthly topic of discussion. Um, the .com penetration on how it's calculated, it with Luminate coming out or out now, um, those data points can look a little bit different. And what the merchant see versus what the supplier see might also not line up. And so as long as you have a growing average and you're aware of your dot-com penetration, then um, you can work towards it. But it definitely varies by category. Some have certain KPIs that they like to meet in terms of dot-com penetration and others, they just like to see steady growth. Got it. Understood. Okay. And you've already touched on Luminate a bit, so we'll go ahead and dive into it. One, what sorts of data points can you receive through Luminate? And two, there's got to be a good price to pay for that. How expensive is it? Do you think it's worth it? What are your overall thoughts? Yeah. Luminate has definitely been an interesting um, 
release for the Walmart supplier community. Um, anyone who's familiar with Sam's Club and their program Madrid, um, it's a very similar pay for your data structure. Um, with Luminate, some of the data points that you can get is you can get digitally derived sales a little bit more easily. You can see more consumer insights depending on the package that you have um, and making sure that you can identify what customers are purchasing, some more insight into their purchasing patterns. Um, and it, it just gives you a lot more ability to adjust how you're viewing the data than Retailink does. Um, within decision support, there's no ability to make visualizations where there is within Luminate. Um, and within decision support, there is a very clear divide between the store data and the dot-com data. And in Luminate, they really do kind of bridge into that omni-channel um, initiative with having your brick and mortar and then digitally derived. And so you can definitely see how they're trying to merge more closely with um, an omni-strategy. Now, is it possible when looking at the tender analysis, do we see those numbers typically line up or is there still a little bit of confusion around each of those reporting metrics? Yeah, there is definitely discrepancies between the two. We get asked this question very frequently. It's, well, which one's right? Um, both are new sources of truth. And so we don't have one single source of truth to look at anymore. Um, and so taking the information from decision support and from Luminate and looking at those side by side and seeing what we think the best picture would be, um, that's a really good option, especially for those people who do have a lower tiered Luminate package. Um, there is a free version that's out that does allow some suppliers to play around with it and really compare the data. With larger suppliers who do have access to the highest tier of Luminate, they are likely looking at the same data that Walmart is. And so I would recommend looking at that because you do have um, a pretty penny associated with it. And so making sure that you're using the data that you believe is going to be the best source of truth and combining that with any category information you have. That's what I was going to ask you next is how much does it dive into like competitive insights specifically? Is it all tailored towards your brand or can you glean insights on the category through this data? Yeah. So I'm actually going to jump back to your pricing question. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, there are many tiers within Luminate um, and the more you're paying for it, more than likely you're getting more data. So the free version, you don't get a lot of those insights. You kind of have a base level model. Um, if you go to one of the big, like a PNG or a large company, um, you will see um, some additional data points. And depending on if that brand has category advisorship, you'll be able to see some other insights as well. The category bucket to see uh, your competitors, it is fairly limited um, for the general Luminate insights, but they do have some category insights that are more broad. Got it. Well, that's good to know. On a positive note, it's super helpful that Walmart is at least getting more transparent with some of the data that they show. Even if you have to pay a pretty penny for it, at least we know it's visible. I know that even some people at Walmart four or five years ago didn't even have uh, data or any sort of directional insights into OPD versus the other channels. So that's at least super helpful there. And I'm sure eventually they'll release more data to the public's because ultimately that only helps brands um, make some informed decisions on how to drive their business. So exactly. thank you for that, Allison. Um, super helpful there. The last topic that we want to touch on here is content scores. So speak a little bit about some of the changes that have occurred within the content scores. 
how Vendo has pivoted knowing some of this information. And really, if you think that this is beneficial to the supplier community or also to consumers, or whether this is something that they'll probably revert back to. Yeah. So the content scores changed on the 12th of last month. And so that was when the official change came into place. But we have been seeing these changes kind of flow through on category by category basis for the last few months. Um, but the official announcement came on the 12th. With that, um, we did see an overall drop in content scores across all items in all categories. This is because some of what they used to measure with content quality scores um, was removed. Ratings and reviews was a huge piece of that. So ratings and reviews no longer contribute to your overall content quality scorecard. And instead, Walmart is focusing very heavily on attributes. So those are those back end um, data points that you can put onto your items that I help the consumer on site know where you can find your items. The main area that you can see this being implemented or that you can see the results of these attributes is if you go with the left-hand navigation, so the little three stacks, drill down, and you shop that way, you'll see all the filters that you see on the side where it's like, okay, what color or what flavor is this? And those are attributes that the suppliers directly add in onto, the, onto their items. Now that that is such a heavy piece of the content quality scores, um, we're making sure that those are applicable on every single item and that all of the applicable items are filled in. Those attributes are not a one size fit all. They're based on product types, which is another piece of the puzzle um, where product types are not always correct and sometimes they can change, whether that be from merchant intervention, supply, like supplier error or system glitches the product types do shift around sometimes. So making sure that you're staying on top of those so that you can have the proper attributes that are applied to your items so that your content scores can be on site. Um, I forgot the second half of your question, but I'll go <laughs> No, you answered it well. My, my second half was, do you think that this is beneficial to both brands and consumers to have this level of information? Um, or do you think, because on the Amazon side of the business, Amazon sometimes will release things and then they'll revert back after they kind of see the sentiment. Do you think that this model is here to stay? I do. Um, I think that removing the ratings and reviews piece is, it definitely is helpful um, given the fact that it doesn't incentivize paid reviews and it does help with making sure that the customer is getting I don't want to say honest reviews, but um, more organic reviews as opposed to paid reviews, because it is not such a big focus for suppliers. It will also help smaller suppliers who don't have the funding to afford some of those review generation campaigns. Um, while we do know the impact and the very strong impact having um, a significant number of reviews has for your items, it's now no longer uh, one of the grading criteria for your content quality. Uh, in terms of Walmart reverting back, I don't believe that they will. Um, the attribution, it really does help your on-site discoverability and it allows their algorithm to learn the items better. Um, so less manual intervention um, and allowing whatever is trending in search or items that might be applicable to your search as you're logged into Walmart, um, the system will just get smarter and it'll serve you as the customer the most applicable item for your search. And so I think it's a really good move, um, but it definitely takes 
some learning um, as Walmart systems don't always catch up as quickly as they roll out initiatives. Um, many suppliers are seeing delays with submissions and things of that nature. So definitely a few growing pains, but overall, I think it's a really good move. Got it. And is this content score applicable to both the 1P and the 3P side of the business or just exclusive to 1P? Currently, it's just exclusive to 1P. The 3P, they do have their own um, grading profile for content quality scores, um, but it is expected that the same guidelines will be applied to the 3P as well. Allison, it's always a pleasure. I mean, I think you need to be on these uh, podcasts more often just because our audience here got a wealth of knowledge from you on all these different topics. And Walmart continues to evolve. And I think that you've been at the head of the team here in terms of making sure that um, Vendo is evolving with it. So always appreciate your time. And I'm sure we'll have you back before the year ends. As long as I can figure out the background, I'll be happy to come back on. (laughs) There we go. Yes, for sure. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Allison. And we'll see you all soon. Bye, everyone.